chapter two of fuel of fire this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org fuel of fire by ellen thornycroft fowler chapter two baxendale hall upon a hill the old house stood commanding stream and field and wood baxendale hall which was built for the third time having been twice destroyed by fire in the reign of james the second was a fine square house of red brick with stone facings and the coat of arms of the baxendales also in stone carved over the front door it stood in the centre of a beautiful park on the borders of mershire and slopshire and the house was situated upon such an eminence that its cellars were on a line with the top of the tower of silverhampton church thus silverhampton and baxendale hall looked at each other from their respective hills across a fruitful and well-populated valley a pleasant land of meadows and orchards and comfortable houses made happy by the money that was coined in the murky coal-fields on the other side of silverhampton town the baxendales were one of the oldest families in mershire and they had lived at baxendale hall ever since doomsday book was edited and probably before that but of late years their prosperity had dwindled as is the way nowadays of all prosperity which has its being solely in land and when the late mr baxendale died of a broken heart owing to the pecuniary difficulties which beset him it was found that the rents of the estate were so reduced and the mortgages upon it so heavy that his son came into an income of only some very few hundreds a year and those few hundreds were made still fewer by the enormous fire insurance which all the owners of baxendale were bound to pay in consideration of the family curse which foretold that baxendale hall should once more for the third time be made fuel of fire the late mr baxendale had married for love and not for money a peculiarity of his race lady alicia mote a daughter of the earl of portcullis and by her had one child a son lawrence her ladyship possessed as little wit as money but she had beauty in excess and for her beauty alwyn baxendale loved wooed and married her and lived beyond his income and finally died broken-hearted because that income was insufficient to supply her somewhat exorbitant daily needs thus matters came to a crisis baxendale hall was shut up and only an old man and his wife left in it as caretakers and alicia went to rule the house of her brother lord portcullis while lawrence baxendale officiated as tutor to his lordship's eldest son when however lord portcullis took unto himself a second wife lady alicia was compelled to seek a home elsewhere so she and her son repaired to an untenanted farmhouse near the ways a hamlet on the baxendale estate and about a mile and a half from the hall the ways was probably so called because five ways met there one went eastward past the burton's house and through the pretty village of tedley straight to silverhampton another took the opposite direction and led the traveller by the hills of salopshire and wales to the coast of the western sea 
a third went northward down a shady lane past ways hall the home of the fairfax family to codswell a picturesque village whose cobble-paved street climbed bravely up a church-crowned hill which stood as high as baxendale or silverhampton a fourth lay through the well-wooded glades of baxendale park and finally by slow ascents reached the hall itself and the fifth went due south into a green maze of lanes which wandered on and on until they finally lost themselves in fairyland as english lanes have a knack of doing if only they are taken in the right way there are few things more beautiful than a mercer lane it is beautiful in the winter when the elm-trees that overshadow it are transformed into coral reefs by the magic touch of the hoar-frost it is beautiful in the spring when its hedges are white with may-blossom and its ditches fringed with the lace-like hemlock and it is beautiful in the autumn when the climbing brambles adorn it on either side with crimson and gold but it is most beautiful of all on a summer's evening when the low-lying shafts of light touch the bents and the feathery grasses and turn the pathway into a golden pavement encircled by a veritable rainbow of emerald until the traveller feels that he is treading a ladder worthy of the feet of angels leading him as the beauty of nature will always lead those who have eyes to see it straight from earth to heaven the spot where these five ways met was marked by a group of fine old elm-trees growing upon a grassy mound and round about it were clustered a farm or two and sundry cottages a picturesque post-office and blacksmith's forge it was a pretty hamlet in the typical english style and its quaint little inn by name the crown slumbered in a cosy bed of blossom with a coverlet of climbing roses ways hall was a long low white house clothed with virginia creeper which made it as a green bower in summer while in autumn it appeared as a house which was enveloped by crimson flames and yet was not consumed it was set in the centre of velvet lawns which like the famous lawns of oxford had been rolled for five hundred years and which sloped down to a large sheet of water inhabited and defended to the best of their ability by a family of swans the banks of this lake were covered every spring with daffodils and periwinkles which looked at their reflection in the water and danced with pleasure at the sight at least the daffodils did the periwinkles only nodded and said to themselves what nice blue eyes we have the fairfaxes of the ways were a good old family but now had dwindled down to two namely mrs fairfax and her daughter faith mrs fairfax was a stately dame of the old school who had never in her life sat in an easy chair or said a silly thing and faith was the raw material out of which saints and angels are manufactured she had soft fair hair and a madonna-like face and in her eyes was that look which dwells in the eyes of all those chosen ones who see beyond this present world unselfish was an adjective not applicable to faith fairfax selfless was the only description available for her had she lived in earlier times faith would inevitably have taken the veil for she was one of the women who have a special vocation for religion and seemed made for the cloister rather than the hearth as it was she devoted herself to her mother and the poor and the human side of her as far as anything about faith fairfax was purely human fell in love with lawrence baxendale and loved him in the ideal worshipping way in which only such nun-like women can love the high-minded inflexible part of his character 
which stirred up opposition in nancy burton fitted exactly into faith's more saintly nature and while nancy was slightly defiant and greatly afraid faith was humbly adoring as a boy whenever anything went wrong lawrence baxendale turned to faith to set it right again as a man he pursued very much the same course she was a year or two older than he and filled in his life the place which his mother had left empty for motherliness was the last attribute which could be laid to the charge of pretty foolish lady alicia it is strange how in the give and take of life men take from the angelic and give to the purely human women with whom they are brought into contact they make demands excessive demands upon the patience and forbearance and unselfishness of the women who love them but it is the women who make excessive demands upon them that they love the best women who behave well rather than wisely take credit to themselves for carrying their own cloaks and climbing over their own styles and generally saving trouble for the men who are treading life's paths by their side foolish creatures the men want to carry their cloaks and help them over the stiles if only they will let them which shows that the proverbial selfishness of man is as a feat and worn out a bogey as the dodo or the sea serpent or religious disability the most interesting feature of baxendale hall was a large library filled with all manner of rare old books and fine pictures containing many priceless manuscripts and valuable prints it occupied the whole length of the front of the house upon the first floor and was exactly over the great entrance hall behind it and over the dining and the drawing-rooms was the suit of rooms always occupied by the master and mistress of the house and next to these the nurseries and schoolroom where generations of little baxendales had played their games and learnt their lessons the guest chambers were in one wing of the house over the justice room and the muniment room and the rooms where the men smoked played billiards and managed the estate the opposite wing was devoted to the kitchens and offices and over them the servants apartments the front of the hall looked east to where the old churches of silverhampton and sedgehill were landmarks to all the surrounding country and the gardens at the back borrowed much of their glory from the sun which set behind the distant welsh hills i wish mother if it wouldn't bother you that you would see rather more of the burton girls lawrence baxendale said to lady alicia the day after he had been to tea at wayside i know they aren't exactly your style but i should be awfully glad if you would be kind to them as they are always very kind to me and i enjoy going there immensely certainly dear lawrence certainly i have called on mrs burton and she has returned the call but there is no real friendship in conventionalities such as that and real friendship is so beautiful between neighbours i think so very beautiful and makes everyday life such a touching and exquisite thing yes it is a good thing to be on friendly terms with the people about you as you say dear lawrence they are not exactly my style or in our set their father makes iron and i think it is beautiful to make iron it must teach men to be so great and strong and then it is so sweet and christian i always think to show kindness to persons not quite in one's own rank of society because i dare say one can do one's duty in an ironworks as well as on a landed property in fact one can do one's duty in almost any rank of life that i think is such a comforting thought because it is always so nice for everybody to do their duty if they can there is something very soothing in doing one's duty don't you think soothing isn't exactly the word i should have used said lawrence dryly and then the burton girls are so charming too such sweet simple unsophisticated creatures lady alicia had an amiable habit of praising all the people 
with whom she was brought into contact but she slightly took the edge off her own commendation by invariably praising them for the qualities which they did not happen to possess the next afternoon she walked up to wayside and found the girls and their mother at home i'm so glad you're in dear mrs burton she began in her usual gushing manner it always seems so insincere and hollow to call upon people when they are not at home and insincerity and hollowness are such terrible things don't you think such very terrible things they are certainly not lovable qualities agreed mrs burton and nancy winked at nora behind lady alicia's elegant back i want to see more of you and your dear girls i was only saying to my son yesterday how beautiful it is to be neighbourly with the people who live near one so sweet and christian even if they don't happen to be the sort of people one would choose it is very kind of you to say so lady alicia replied mrs burton manfully repressing her natural desire to smile and what are your dear girls christians names i am always so interested in people's christian names and the months in which their birthdays are i think one can learn so much from these don't you they are so interesting and suggestive and often such a key to character do you mean to the characters of the people themselves or of their godfathers and godmothers asked nancy with ominous demureness oh dear child of the people themselves of course how could it be the key to the character of their godfathers and godmothers when we never know who their godfathers and godmothers are they are not given in the period you know though i am not at all sure that they ought not to be it would be rather nice and orthodox if they were don't you think it would be rather interesting said nancy as showing whom they expected to leave them a fortune and there is so much in names i always think it was such a mistake of dear shakespeare to say that a rose would smell as sweet if you called it something else it couldn't you know and what are your dear girls names mrs burton nancy and nora oh how sweet how very sweet for them both to begin with the same letter i always think there is so much sympathy between people whose names begin with the same letter it was such a comfort to me that my dear husband's name began with a like mine do you know i don't think i could ever have loved a man whose christian name began with b he would have seemed so far off almost as if he were living in another planet i remember once meeting a man and his wife who were called francis and francis i thought it so very touching and beautiful it will be rather a bore if nancy and i have to marry men whose names begin with n said nora because there are so few nice men's names beginning with n and it would be horrid to marry men who weren't nice added nancy lady alicia took it all in solemn earnest oh dear children there is nathaniel not exactly a pretty name you know but so biblical and suggestive i think it must be lovely to have a bible name especially on sundays it must make one feel in such perfect harmony with the day but we can't both marry men who are called nathaniel persisted nancy it would be so very confusing and we should get them all mixed up so you would my dear but i feel sure there are other nice names beginning with n if only one could recall them but you didn't call your son by a name beginning with a suggested nora ah no dear lawrence was called after an ancestor of his who did something very heroic and touching i forget exactly what it was and i think it is so ennobling to call one's children by names which remind one of heroic deeds don't you it seems to elevate the tone of everyday life by beautiful memories and there is nothing more refining i find than beautiful memories ah what a priceless gift memory is what should we do without it i wonder
the girls thought that lady alicia ought to know but they did not say so her ladyship ambled on as usual without giving any one else a chance to speak i do hope dear mrs burton that your girls are cultured i think it is so sweet for young people to be cultured and to read nice poetry i remember when i was a girl i used to read all the poetry i could lay my hands on except lord byron's don quixote dear papa never would allow that ah we have not been allowed to read it either remarked nancy haven't you how very interesting i think it is so very beautiful when parents overlook their children's reading it seems to bring the fifth commandment into everyday life and it is so sweet and christian to keep the commandments when one can don't you think i think one should always try to do so for the sake of setting the servants a good example if not for one's own i think it is nice for parents to take an interest in everything that their children do said mrs burton it is indeed dear mrs burton and i do hope your young people are fond of culture i am devoted to reading myself but unfortunately the minute i begin to read my thoughts begin to wander so unfortunately i am unable to indulge my literary tastes as i should wish it is a great deprivation but you have the pleasure of your own thoughts suggested nora and that is far greater i would much rather think my own thoughts than read other people's lady alicia sighed ah my dear that is because you are not literary if you had my temperament you would live upon books i remember once starting a shakespeare reading society when i was living with my dear brother lord portcullis for all the girls in the neighbourhood i thought it would train their minds and it is so nice for the minds of the young to be trained very nice said mrs burton and she had not time to say more before lady alicia went on of course there are things in shakespeare not altogether suitable for the young to read so i asked the clergyman's wife to mark all the passages which she felt could be read without detriment to the fresh and untrained minds i was endeavouring to cultivate i think clergymen's wives are just the people to do that sort of thing don't you dear mrs burton it seems exactly the kind of duty they would enjoy i feel sure they would and did this particular one justify the confidence you had placed in her mrs burton asked well it was very unfortunate but there was a mistake instead of marking all the passages to be read as i had asked her she marked all the passages to be left out and most naturally the class read those and left the others out but how could i help it i assumed that she had done what i had asked her the two girls coughed violently in order to stifle their laughter and their mother managed to inquire with a fairly sober front but didn't it occur to you at the time what had happened well it did occur to me that the remarks were a little disjointed but remarks are often disjointed in plays to allow for changing the scenery or the actor's clothes i suppose so i took it as a matter of course but it was annoying all the same it made people laugh though what there was to laugh at i cannot imagine but that is a growing evil of the present day don't you think people treat everything as a joke and speak lightly of quite serious things it is a virtue of the present day i think argued nancy to laugh instead of crying whenever it is possible my heart is like beatrice's keeps poor fool on the windy side of care and i am thankful for it lady alicia sighed her dainty little sigh ah my poor dear husband was like that and so is lawrence they both of them have always laughed at things that seem to me quite pathetic but then i am extremely sensitive and my poor husband was not nor is lawrence they could not of course help being so unlike me nor do i in any way blame them for it but it has been to me a matter of regret what sort of things does mr baxendale laugh at asked nancy who was athirst for any form of knowledge concerning lawrence just the things his poor dear father used to laugh at things that you would have expected them to be quite sorry about instead our poverty for instance and the way we have come down in the world 
and his own shyness and unpopularity and the fact that he can't afford to marry and lots of really quite sad things like that i see and nancy's voice was very low i often say to him what a pity it is that he can't afford to marry because a charming wife is such a nice thing for a man to have don't you think in fact i should quite pity him poor boy if only he would let me but whenever i mention the subject he just turns it off into a joke and never seems to take it seriously at all so my sympathy is wasted and i am such a sympathetic creature you know that lawrence's callousness pains me i don't think it need said mrs burton gently ah but i am so sensitive i shrivel up like a sensitive plant when my feelings are hurt and lawrence is always hurting them i am sure he does not mean to do so but he is so thick-skinned that he does not understand a sensitive nature like mine his poor father was just the same what sort of things did he laugh at asked nancy with unslaked curiosity oh he used to laugh at our poverty too and at what a wretched match he had turned out for me of course i ought to have done much better and i used to say so but he just treated it as a joke and it really was no joke at all for me who had so many really good offers when i was young nancy's lip curled with scorn and she judged lady alicia with the merciless judgment of those who have neither married nor been disappointed in marriage people used to say her ladyship continued that alwyn died of a broken heart when he found that he would be obliged to turn out of baxendale but that was quite a mistake and merely shows how people ought not to talk about things which they do not understand i think that is another of the faults of the rising generation dear mrs burton people are so prone so sadly prone to talk about matters which are quite beyond their comprehension and not only of the rising generation said mrs burton dryly ah no it was a fault of my poor dear alwyn he never in the least understood my finer perceptions and yet he was always talking about them in a slightly sarcastic way and he had none of his own poor dear ah nancy remarked and as for dying because he could not afford to live at baxendale lady alicia continued it was all nonsense he never really felt it at all but made jokes about bringing me to the workhouse till the hour of his death now i did feel it who had been brought up in such luxury and always expected to make such a brilliant match i have no doubt you did said mrs burton kindly endeavouring as was her custom to make the best of everybody both you and mr baxendale must have felt leaving such a beautiful home but he didn't feel it that was the remarkable thing he just laughed at it as he did at everything else a sad habit as i remarked a few minutes ago and one which i grieve to say dear lawrence inherits almost the last thing he said to me about an hour before his death was to make a half-laughing apology for having given me only a heart full of love instead of a purse full of money but adding that he was about to make the only reparation in his power poor mr baxendale and mrs burton's eyes were full of tears oh do you think so for my part it quite shocked me to hear him speak sarcastically at such a time i cannot think that a deathbed is the place for sarcasm it seems to me so sweet to read the bible and speak lovingly to all your friends at a time like that so as to leave a nice impression behind you nancy tossed her head it is a pity that a trifling incident such as death should divert the minds of some people from the importance of making an effective exit she was very impertinent there was no doubt of that but perhaps there was some excuse for her her impertinence however was lost upon lady alicia that lady would as soon have expected a girl of nancy's rank to be pert to her as she would have expected a polyanthus to jump up and bite her so she innocently continued in death as in life my poor dear husband never cared about what sort of impression he was making upon anybody he was far too thick-skinned for that and lawrence is just like him which is really very hard upon me as i always think it would have been so nice to live with people who really understood one and sympathized with one 
and it were alive to the higher traits of a really refined nature but i suppose such crosses are intentional and so must be borne uncomplainingly as patience under misconception is such a beautiful thing and lady alicia again sighed her dainty sigh as she rose to take her leave having effectually succeeded as was her wont in preventing those with whom she was conversing from putting their oars in even sideways End of chapter two